Welcome to episode 31 of the Digital Fabrication Experiment, a podcast about all things CNC. I'm Winston Moy, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, the soon-to-be globetrotting Eddie Kramer and officially DFX regular Chris Lee. We're hobby machinists, and we'd like to bring you into our conversations about life in the shop and topics and making. Gentlemen, how is it going? Doing absolutely wonderful, and uh, thanks for letting me be part of the podcast officially. It's awesome. Hey, Chris. Hey, Winston. Good to talk to you guys again. Uh, everything's really going well here. So what do you guys, uh, what do you got going on in the shop, Winston? Um, surprisingly today, nothing in my shop. I actually just got back from uh, another fellow hobby machinist's uh, shop, and he was teaching me some TIG welding. So I was learning a new skill and realizing just how bad at it I was, but um, managed to stick some pieces of metal together. So that's always a good time. How about you? I think I said last on the last episode, I was kind of not taking any more jobs, but of course that always means one more job, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, doing, so, I did some work in Black Delrin this week, which was, God, that stuff's messy. But um, pretty happy with that. It's, it's coming out. I'll get that shipped out tomorrow. And then I head out to Germany on Tuesday, nice. which we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, how about you, Chris? What you got going on? Uh, let's see, kind of the same thing as you. I got a bunch of Black Delrin projects that I'm trying to get out the door. Uh, I just hate the fact that it's so clingy, like it just sticks to everything and it's hard to kind of clean up a little bit. Um, and you know, I've been working on lightsaber stuff. I've been doing, uh, uh, buying a bunch of soldering equipment to get ready for that. Finish the titanium ring, uh, my wedding band, uh, taking a class, doing a bunch of stuff at work with the CMM and, and whatnot. So it's been a busy week for me. Hey, Winston. So um, you've kind of been beefing up your shape. Oko lately, what you got going on over there? And is that your personal one or is that the, so I have installed two heavy duty Z axes on um, two shape. Okos, one at work, one at home. Um, just the first one was practice. We got um, a early unit in uh, I was sort of just going through the motions of installing it. Then there was a spare one that I took home. And um, having gone through the process before, I was like a lot more comfortable with installing it. I um, arranged all the uh, different bags of hardware in order of how I was going to use them to install. Um, so I think having gone through it twice now, I'm finally qualified to make a installation video about it. And uh, I, I think that's kind of necessary because I was kind of surprised that a lot of people seem to not know that Carbide 3D was officially carrying these. So I, I definitely have some work to do to educate people and let them know, hey, it's available. But also, hey, like depending on what you're machining, if you're just making like signs or something, you probably don't need this. But it's been a fun process. It's a really well-built upgrade. Um, I really like the fact that a lot of the, um, it's like one solid plate of aluminum that everything is built off of and everything uh, screws into that. So there's no PEM nuts or like any other hardware other than just like the screw or the bolt that goes into that, that holds everything together. Um, but I've, I've run a couple quick cuts and it seems pretty solid. So I have a couple of questions. Is the so the plate is threaded? Is that what your everything just kind of correct? It's it's about that? a half inch um, thick slab of um, machined aluminum. A lot of holes. Um, 
that basically match up where there um, be holes on the regular carriage plates. So things for V-wheels, the uh, idler pulleys, um, motor mounts, and a couple extras for additional accessories like little wings that you have to put on to stick on a dust shoe and whatnot. Yeah, it's really, really nice. Uh, when you brought it over and I was looking at it, it's, it's really well built. I, I'm looking forward to what other things uh, Luke brings to the table with you guys at Carbide 3D. So is Carbide selling Shapeoko's with that already installed, or is it still a kit? It is like still a separate upgrade. Um, I don't okay. know if we're ever going to change the... Um, like the main shop page, because you know you can option the Shapeoko with a router or without a router. I, I'm i not sure if it's it's going to happen anytime soon that we make the HDZ an official like drop-down. You can select that and buy that with everything. Um, only because right now I think our attitude is that like we expect a take rate of like less than 10% or something. We don't want to upsell people if we if they don't need it. And if they right, see yeah. it there, th- like they they might sort of just get fixated on specs and, and just order it when they, they really probably shouldn't or like they don't need it. I mean, as, as great yeah, as it would be that. to just upsell everyone on it, it's, it's really kind of overkill for just woodworking. Yeah, that's kind of how I think of it. It's basically a material expansion option, right? If you're going to be doing more metal than wood, that's uh, probably the right audience for that. Um, but that's probably not the main shape local audience. So I could see that. Yeah. 10% or less. Um, but if you need it, you really need it. So yeah. <laughs> that's kind of cool. If you yeah. don't know if you need it or not, you probably don't need it. But if you have the experience yeah, and you know, Hey, I'm really going to be pushing the machine. That's when you should probably look into it. Yeah. And I think it makes a really good base for like a spindle upgrade too. For, you know the folks that want to kind of move to water cool spindle higher power spindle because mm-hmm. at that point that you really easy. don't want to trust like springs and a belt then that's where yeah. the ball screw really comes in handy yeah just the weight of those spindles is considerably higher than the the trim router well, that's cool i'm looking forward to seeing uh what your experience is with it yeah i mean right now yeah. i think the biggest um benefit other than the rigidity is the um the the torque of that ball screw so i was doing some acrylic tests and uh one of the things i was noticing was if i plunge too fast um like you, you lose steps in z and i came to the conclusion that you should stick to about um one to 1.5 thou per rev um in terms of plunge rate so i think with the z at the HDZ, you could do a little more than that uh, consistently. So it, it'll help out not just in regular feed rate, but also plunge feed rate, which is really important for the people who are still using Carbide Create and don't use lead-ins or ramps or anything fancy to ease into the material. Yeah, that makes sense. What? How long does it take to install, just out of curiosity? Um, if you just breeze through the instructions real quick um an hour or two um it Hmm. took me about three because i was filming and setting up and i took a lunch break um but it's really you can also speed up the process if you sort of do some of the legwork ahead of time because you need to Hmm. salvage some parts from the original shape oko so you remove the z-axis you pop off the motors you pull off the v-wheels if you want to reuse them um just take take a couple pieces of miscellaneous hardware 
and um, and then basically just bolt everything onto the HDZ. So if you have all that done already, you save like half an hour, 40 minutes, whatever, and it's just a matter of bolting things together. And it's it's really just not that difficult in my opinion. The instructions that Luke wrote out are pretty good. The pictures included are um, exactly what you need to figure out where things go. Cool. I mean, it's already pretty much assembled, right, as far as the motion platform? Um, when you- well, I mean, the motors aren't on it. Neither right, the X the rails or the Z. Are, the rails are already on it, more or less it. aligned. Yeah, okay. Um, okay. The ball screw's on there, so you need to add a coupler to link the Z-axis stepper motor. You need to install spacers and the X-axis stepper motor, the um, idler pulleys, the uh, V-wheels, and that's pretty much okay. the, the hardest part um, is just putting everything back on the rails. Uh, the instructions say, I think Luke has them, like, uh, by step two or something, you in, you mount it with the V-wheels on the X-axis gantry and then put everything on from there. But since my is in the enclosure, I really can't, like, get around behind the machine or from the sides. So I basically built up everything and then just attached the V-wheels at the very last uh, step. Oh, the other thing is... Um, you can also spend a lot of time tramming or, or fine tuning it um, because it has the easy tram plate adapter. So that lets you um, rotate the spindle clockwise, counterclockwise, just a little to adjust for any um, sort of deviations in how you mounted the spindle to the plate, which it's, it's a system that works. It doesn't get the rotation about the X axis. So if you're, spindle is uh, tilted forward or backwards it can't account for that but he says in his instructions that you can use um, aluminum foil shims which that totally works yeah um so depending on how how obsessed you are with getting it dialed in just perfectly you could spend a little more time but it's still a lot faster than trying to tram it on a regular um z-axis shape oko yeah i would imagine it's like i mean you have as of this weekend you have one more assembly option at your disposal, don't you? Uh, you can just weld the whole thing on there. Oh, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> true. Uh, not very flexible of an option, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's. I like welding, but I'm still like. There's so much about the 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 finesse and the uh, the practice it takes to be good at welding that I don't think I'm ever going to get there in the next couple of years, not unless I get some projects that, that force me to use a welder. Cause you try it every now and then every couple months or so, you're not going to build up that, that hand eye coordination to do it well. Yeah, I agree. I think it's uh, you know, it's a practice based growth on that type of uh, skill. So what were you doing this weekend where you were welding or um, learning to weld? Um, I mean, this today was just, like one of my friends messaged me. He's like, Hey, like if you're free, come on over. Like I've got a welder in the shop. And ah, so gotcha. I was like, I went over, we, um, we actually cut out a couple brackets. Uh, we designed really quickly a little uh, mount that I could screw into my enclosure for the touch probe. Um, so that was a fun little project. Um, and then yesterday was, uh, modern creators night hosted by matter hackers. So, um, down just past Irvine, they uh, rented out a community center. They had free barbecue. 
and they had a, a couple speakers talk, like one from a college, one from a company called Relativity Space that's trying to make rockets in LA um, that are like 90% um, additively manufactured, and uh, mm. Ben Ueda from Homemade Modern, and a couple, couple makers locally um, just brought their stuff. They had tables. You could do like a little show and tell. I was there representing Team Subtractive, and all around, pretty good time. Cool. Nice. I was uh, trying you? to I was trying to make it out to that event actually, but I got caught up with something else and couldn't make it. So, but I saw your pictures and it looked like a pretty cool event. Yeah. This week, basically, my shop's shut down until I get back from Germany at the end of this month. Uh, I'll be at I'll be in Berlin on Wednesday, just kind of playing tourists. But Thursday and most of Friday, I'll be at Emo. If anybody, uh, I'm just putting this out there. If any of our listeners are going to be there, DM me um, if you're there Thursday or Friday. I think we leave. We're probably going to try to get out a little early on Friday. I think probably by four, three thirty-four, just to kind of miss the traffic. We got we have a long drive to uh, Darmstadt that evening. Yeah, I have to take the rail in from Berlin, so I'll, I'll try to get on a pretty early thing. I would say I'd probably be there like ten to close on when, on Thursday, and most of the day on Friday. So if anyone wants to meet up, uh, just DM me on Instagram. It's hopefully my phone is going to work there. <laughs> I've done every possible thing I can do before I set foot in Germany to make sure my phone's going to be working <laughs> and that I have decent data. Um, there's still a few steps I have to do once I get there, but I should be good to go. Yeah. I'm going to save kind of the rest of the trip till we get back and I can do the recap, but just basically it's going to be, a little bit of time at Darmstadt, visit Daytron, and then Kern for two days the following week after Emo and hanging out with Marvin, doing some other stuff, and hopefully meeting up with some other uh, German instant machinists. So I'll be posting Instagram, you know, lots of stuff from the show. I'm taking stuff to record a video. I don't know how well that's going to work or where that's going to end up other than short clips on Instagram, but um, should be should be kind of sporadic <laughs> updates for me throughout the week or the next two weeks. So. Um, so that's kind of my, that's what I got going on the next two weeks. Oh, so the other thing is when I get back from Germany, I get to be instant machinist hundred percent of the time. <laughs> so I actually, I retired from my day job this month. So it's been in the works for a long time. Actually started last year, had a couple of, uh, misdates that I was planning on retiring earlier this year. And finally kind of everything came together, uh, projects kind of at the right point on the day job to to uh, wrap things up this month before the trip. So when I get back in October, I'm going to be uh, basically 100% focused on what was the side hustle. So I'm real excited about that. And it's uh, it's changing a little bit, um, my perspective of what I'll be looking at at Emo. So uh, I think this trip's still going to be, I'd call this like an intelligence gathering scouting trip. Or either, probably more like, likely IMTS next year, I might actually have enough uh, experience with the the Neo to kind of know what work holding <clears throat> commercial work holding I might want to kind of invest in next. So, uh, I'm, I don't plan on coming back with the machine. This, <laughs> on this email trip. I already got my machine for the year, but, <laughs> um, yeah, maybe a vice or something. We'll see. But I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Well, congrats, that man. Sounds fantastic. Yeah. Congrats, Thanks. Eddie. Thank you, man. I, I, there's a guy that I knew that was supposed to retire and they just kept him on for like another two years cause they couldn't find anyone to replace him. So, 
I'm glad this kind of this literally worked out super perfect for you because you're going on vacation. You by the time you come back, you're going to be uh, that full Datron life. Oh yeah, yeah, it should be good. Um, I still, you know, I'm sticking with the original plan of probably this year for the rest of the year. It'll be just getting proficient with the machine and working some personal projects and a little bit of commercial work for the you know for the clients and the jobs that are willing to kind of maybe take a risk on delivery date or other stuff as I kind of get more confident with it. But uh, by January, I should be kind of going, taking as much work as I can handle, running it on whichever machine is appropriate for it, the Neo or the V250 or the Bantam machine. Um, oh, you know, I don't know if I mentioned, I think, um, so I don't have the the Nomad 883 here anymore. I don't I think I still had it on the last episode. This has kind of been a new development, but um, I've been working with a local instant machinist that was interested in the machine for a while. And uh, it's actually on loan to him right now. When I get back from Germany, he'll have a opportunity to buy it or not. So I wanted him to kind of get a chance to use it a little bit. I don't want to say who it is because I think he's going to want to announce the machine at some point. Um, so I'll let him do that. And then we'll kind of circle back around once he's ready to share the news. The good news is it'll be um, back on Instagram soon, doing a lot of work. So cool work, I think. Yeah, It's always good for a machine to find a, a loving home. So hope this works out. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a great machine for me. It's just, um, you know, now I have two <laughs> Bantam machines, two pocket NCs and I, and the microscope and I need to have some other metrology stuff coming in to kind of support the Neo business and I need room for it inside. So don't forget the um, shape Oko. Yeah, well, the shape of is going in the garage. It's got a home. <laughs> it's got a place to go here, but uh, it's the the stuff that's kind of precious right now is my bench top space inside inside the spare bedroom. So um, that was kind of my main motivation to doing it now. And I immediately, like this week, missed it having it. <laughs> this um, black one piece I had was actually too big for the pocket NC. It was a four inch uh, diameter flange, and um, Initially, I was thinking, I'll just run it on the Bantam. It'll fit, um, but it's a little too tall. <laughs> so it actually works. I'm, I'm getting it going on the uh, Bantam machine, but um, I'm having to use some long-reach tools, and that is kind of a challenge there to kind of fit over the top of the part, you know what I mean? Because it's, it's almost using all the Z-Travel. So I've got one more opt. I'll probably, I might end up moving over to the Shapeoko to finish, like, the very top part of it, but... Uh, in the in the internal part, so I got to make sure I leave enough material to kind of get everything dimensionally correct. Otherwise, I'll be making a second one, hundred percent on the shape I'll go this week, or not this week, like tomorrow. <laughs> so, uh, so far, so good. So, but yeah, it would have been a lot easier on the Nomad with the eight by eight bed and three inches of Z travel. That would have been the perfect machine for this part. So, I did miss it. <laughs> How about you, Chris? You've been, uh, I saw you playing around with CMM on Instagram. What's going on with that? Yeah, uh, came into work on Monday. Uh, boss was on vacation, sent an email to my supervisor. Hey, send Chris over to CMM and five axis programming department and have him start learning stuff. And I was like, yes, sir. Walked my ass over there, started learning the CMM. It's like super fun. Um, and the deal is if I can learn the CMM and basically, uh, measure all the electrodes and all the off parts and the cavities and cores for the molds. Um, then they'll let me start doing five axis programming on the hypermill for them. So that's Very like, cool. the, that's the deal that we've cut out. Um, and then if design needs me, I can bounce back and forth, 
uh, if they're busy or not busy, then I can, I can kind of float a little bit. So they finally agreed to do that. So that's been, I've been really excited about that. So on the, on Hypermill, do you guys do that training in house or do you, are you going to go off and do like the week or two it's a pretty intense program to learn? I think right I'm, here. I think I'm just going to do it on my own, uh, between the tutorials and the walkthroughs that they have. Plus I can just ask the guy, it'll probably be faster for me to just learn on the spot and ask him any questions that I have. Um, okay. I don't know if I want to spend a week out of town to, to do that. Cause I have other jobs and stuff that I have to stay around for. So I can't really yeah. leave. Yeah. I mean, that's a, if that's kind of like the main program they're using there, you'll, yeah, should have a lot of local expertise to tap, but yeah, that's good. That sounds yeah. pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm super excited that they're finally allowing me to kind of multitask a little bit over there. I had to really beg for it, so happy that they're listening. You had anything going on in the home shop? Uh, so home shop, I just finished uh, the titanium ring. I had to remake it because I messed up at the very end, uh, but finally got that done. My meteorite slab came in. And so I'm going to do a meteorite inlay on a titanium band. So after this podcast is done, I'll be working on that. Uh, hopefully finish that up sometime next week. Um, and then uh, doing a bunch of research on my lightsaber project. So I finally figured out what electronics board I'm going to use, what parts, speakers, like all the wires, uh, resistors, all that stuff. Uh, you suggested a some, couple really good soldering tips and stuff like that, Hako. Uh, soldering kit so i've got them just amassing all this equipment that's been compiling in amazon boxes on the floor in my living room and when i get all this in then I'll, I'll get to start working on this project and hopefully have it done before the movie comes out so i'm super excited <laughs> yeah when, when you're at the point where you're like melting solder on a hot plate then you're like hardcore electronic guy <laughs> yeah so i'm, I'm watching a ton of videos trying to just get a leg up on you know tinning and the prepping of soldering how to make it easier so i don't i don't mess it up um so that's kind of like what's been going on in the shop for me and then i actually started taking a class uh, every thursday at this rubber company and they make like silicones and rubbers and plastics and stuff and it's almost like a chemistry class uh, we're learning about basic principles of rubber, the application use, like what are, you know, what's good for heat or, or low heat or oil swells and stuff. And then midway through this the section of the class, we're going to do a lot of shop tours around California. So uh, we'll be visiting other uh, rubber shops, industries, foundries, like, you know, and then at the end of the class, kind of the last seven weeks or so, we get to do polymer mixing. So we'll be mixing actual polymers together and like um, using lab equipment to basically try to uh, build certain types of rubbers for our applications that they're given. So, for example, if the guy goes, hey, we need something that's abrasion resistant and we need something that is heat resistant and the, which polymers would you choose to put into this mix to fit? And we kind of come together as a group to figure out, OK, we should have, you know, but this or this and that and we get to mix. So I'm super excited about this, even though um it's a little nerdy, but I think it'll be kind of fun to learn um, and kind of hopefully somehow that'll help me in the career somewhere. Yeah. So just a reminder for listeners who may not have heard all the previous episodes, Chris works with a, a company that's heavily involved in injection molding, both the tooling for that, right? Molds. And mm -hmm. I think you guys actually do the injection too, right? You actually yeah. create 
manufacture there. Okay. Yeah, we we manufacture all the, the the molds itself, and we do the process management for the actual. So we we run molds for other people as a production as well. Um, we'll do all the testing. We'll make sure we'll like troubleshoot it, and we'll ship it off to the customer completely, pretty much ready to go with like a set of sheet of like parameters of you know what the mold should be at as far as temperature, like how to run it, blah blah. So kind of like the whole we do everything from beginning to end, um, including design and everything. So. Yeah, and we, we cool. specialize in silicone. That's kind of our niche. Oh, yeah, that's that's not common, right? It's not very common. I don't think there's many people in the U.S. or companies that specialize in silicone. We're definitely one of them. Um, and then there's a, there's a lot more, I guess, internationally. I think Austrians mm. and New Zealand and Germany and stuff are kind of the bigger other guys that are out there. But, yeah, mainly medical stuff. You know, anything that touches skin or a body part is usually needs to be silicone. Um, face masks and, and whatnot. Surgical stuff, tooling and, and things like that. So. so is your, I mean, all the new, basically, I don't want to say skills, but all the new equipment and software and everything you're being exposed to in the day job, is that influencing what you're going to do, how you're going to grow your home shop? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's basically I'm getting paid to learn and stuff that was going to help me start my own business. So I'm super grateful that they're letting me do that because, I mean, I get CMM experience. I'm going to get five axis experience. I still get mold design experience. And then on the side that we do, we also do simulation. So we, uh, if we have issues with the mold, I get to run Moldex and like I'll simulate like uh, analysis, like flow analysis. And we'll try to figure out, okay. Uh, here are the air traps, here are the venting, why is this not filling, what's the pressure? And I'm learning so much like from the process point of view of like, okay, how do we make this mold better or how do we fix something that we need to fix because there's an issue happening in, in the actual shop. So um, just a ton of learning here. And I'm just super grateful to be there to, to be around it because, you know, you, you can't go to school for this stuff. Like there's, this is like, this is like gold when it comes to learning experience. So. Yeah, and yeah. I'm, all this stuff is just going to stay with me forever as I, wherever I go to or where I end up venturing to. So, yeah, super happy about that. That's good. I'm, I'm um, full-time on my new venture, which is not really new, right? I've been doing this for a few years. But, um, like, one of the big, like, want-to-dos that's been kind of just sitting there waiting to get more time is uh, investing in my training, right, and learning some new stuff. So I'm just starting to uh, kind of figure out what I'm going to do over the next 12 months as far as, you know, I'll continue to go to like the fusion and Autodesk stuff. Um, I think I'm going to go to like the Saunders training, you know, just kind of the basic, I haven't looked, you know, I know he has a lot of stuff up there as far as courses. So I got to kind of look through his catalog and see what I think where my gaps are. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It might, I wouldn't be surprised if he's got some advanced fusion stuff, I might go take that on the cam. Uh, his work holding class definitely looks interesting. I've seen him talk about that a few times. Um, I think I would get a lot out of that. Eventually, like I want to learn how to do turning, <laughs> right? And mm -hmm. um, yeah, and some, it basically just don't know where I go next. Like, so I'm trying to figure out on the train, I'm going to actually kind of put some thought and actually get organized on uh, the order of stuff, right? That I want to I want to focus on from on the learning side. So maybe even include, I mean, I think the business might push me in a few years to maybe add a second CAD cam uh, software suite to my skill set, you know, master cam or something like that. I'm kind of hoping not. I'm, I 
where Fusion is going looks good to me, um, but some of that's not really up to you, right? It's kind of up to your customers. So uh, we'll see kind of where that goes. Like that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's like I'm trying to do this side business thing or, or also using Fusion, but in the industry, like no one even bats an eye at it. Like everyone's Mastercam. And I'm, in order for me to do anything at work, I have to learn, you know, Mastercam and Hypermill and stuff. Like I, the thought of even me trying to introduce Fusion to them, they just laugh at it because it's not even on their radar. And even though I try to show them whenever a chance I get, like, hey, look at all the cool stuff I get to do, they just, they don't care. Like it's industry standard. Everyone uses Mastercam. Everyone in the shop uses Mastercam. All our file structures are Mastercam. So um, I'm in this position where like, hey, if I'm, thinking of continually working in this industry professionally, I'm going to have to start using Mastercam. And the biggest issue I have is like, I want to lean on Fusion because that's what I know, right? Even though yeah. like in five axis programming, there are only three toolpaths. I've kind of learned all the tricks to get around stuff that I need to make it work. But reality is I need to just stop like leaning on that so hard. And I really need to force myself to learn Mastercam because I'm, I'm being uh, not afforded opportunities because I don't know the software and I don't like when it's because of that, you know, I, I want to be because of something else, not because I wasn't uh, good enough to learn something like a software like yeah. that. So, yeah, I, yeah I that's know. almost a no brainer. I mean, you're, you're at the point where, you know, you got to learn it. Yeah. I, I <laughs> and now you're going to get hyper mill too, right? Under your right. belt, which is also awesome. Right. But, um, cool. How about you, uh, Winston? You got anything, uh, big plan why I'm in Germany? Um, hmm. I gotta look at my calendar, but I am pretty sure that I just need to catch up. Um, I have two more videos to script and record and edit for the knife series, and then I can start running off doing whatever I want. Um, and I'm hoping to enlist Chris into shooting a video for me or just being my cameraman. Um, because there's a project that I want to revisit that I can't really say what it is yet. Um, but since I've made it before and it's really just a small tweak to the, the file and basically going through the same process, I want to kind of try to experiment into some of the more cinematic, um, video stuff, like, uh, incorporate just a little of the, like the Alex Steele type, uh, videography work into a video just to see what happens. Um, so Chris, whenever you're free, um, I, I got some, it's... Not too complex, but it's a simple enough project. Um, hope we can knock it out, knock it out in an afternoon, and uh, see what uh, see if your uh, your YouTube education on uh, filmmaking has paid off. <laughs> oh, we're gonna go Spielberg. Trust me. Sounds like Moy Studios has a DP position open. <laughs> I mean, we both just got cameras too. So I I was telling you, yeah, I'm down to just mess around and test stuff out anyways. So. Yeah, I haven't um, really introduced my camera, um, but Rob was was seeing my um, displeasure with Nikon, and he he tempted me into uh, tasting the uh, the Fuji fruit, and it's not bad. It's a, <laughs> a really solid platform, well featured. Um, the only gripe I have with the camera right now, with the um, kit lens, which is actually a pretty good kit lens it's a 2.8 to 4.5 aperture um is the minimum focusing distance so a lot of the things i'm shooting in the nomad i really want to get a close-up but i can't get closer than about a foot so i might pick up some macro filters and uh playing with those but um 
again, like I got so much footage banked up that as soon as I finish this nice series, I can start knocking out new content because right now my uh, editing computer's hard drive is at capacity. Um, hopefully there will be a, a small improvement in video quality of the stuff I put out. That sounds yeah. exciting. I'm excited to, to mess around with the camera. Been, that was one of the cameras that I was researching heavily uh, before deciding to go with Panasonic. So get to play with all the knobs on the top. Looking forward yeah. to that. This <laughs> thing has so many dials and knobs, but <laughs> it's good. Oh, Eddie, I wanted to circle back because um, yeah. you were talking about your, your almost future plans. Are you going to like make a website for your, your business venture or anything? Or are you just going to go word of mouth? Like, How are you going to so, grow this venture? I'm probably going to have to create a website just kind of as a landing page and contact info. Um, you know, YouTube will still, not YouTube, uh, Instagram will still play a role just like it is today. Um, but, you know, I've got customers now that are coming to me that don't know anything about my Instagram stuff, right? So I need kind of some some way for them to interact with me. Um, so, yeah, I'll probably end up, I had a website like, last year when I was doing the spinners for a couple of years and it was just, you know, it was hosted on um, Shopify, but that wasn't, it's not really relevant anymore for what I do. So that's like one of the things on my list to learn. <laughs> it's more like some more on the business side than on the technical side. It's, um, so I don't know if John, it'd be great if he had a class that basically just walks you through kind of like as a shop owner or a single, like a, single guy in a garage even trying to run a business like what's the like the full stack that's good for bootstrapping you know as far as like here's a good place you know here's the basic website you should think about you know the minimal functionality here's uh you know basic you know here's like shipping service all that kind of stuff um especially like i'll be retelling or i might be retelling stuff next year um right now it's all you know like job shop stuff so um it's a little bit easier to figure out the logistics of how that stuff comes in and goes out. I have some thinking to do about where I go besides Instagram for customer contact, right? It's kind of really been working well, the way things work to now. I, I call it word of mouth and I get the referrals right from Pocket and C, which also works pretty well. Um, and those are mostly people that don't know about my Instagram until after they contact me. But uh, yeah, I think I'll end up with something, um, nothing fancy, right? Just a Kind of a, I don't know what you call it, like a landing page it's for uh, me to put on my business card, if nothing else. If you need help with that kind of stuff, I mean, I used to build WordPress sites and do you know, graphic design and content creation for, for websites. Um, but there, I remember there was this book that John mentioned called Small Time Operator. It, it was on my list as well. It, it's kind of like a half ah. machinist, but it's meant for like if you're starting a business uh, basically like your books, your taxes, like how to stay out of trouble, how to get basically go from uh, a weekend thing to like making it like a full time. And it was one of the books that he mentioned that you should read. And I remember it being on my list as well. So um, maybe that's yeah, something I remember to check out. talking about that, but I yeah. couldn't remember the title. So yeah, I'll, I'll ping you offline on that. And maybe we'll get that one in the show notes. Um, yeah, that's a, kind of exactly what I'm looking for. I've got yeah. like, I'm at the 90% like of the things probably on the checklist are being taken care of, but I'm kind of got that last 10% that uh, I now have the time, right. To go mm -hmm. get it all kind of done. And at least to the point where I can, you know, I'm sure it'll change over time as I kind of do more, spend more of my time on this kind of stuff. I'll want to make tweaks, but um, yeah, I want to at least get my initial business kind of lined up. 
so it can function with minimal intervention from me, ideally for the right. all that kind of stuff, right? The the, the yeah. non non billable stuff. So yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. I'll uh, so I'm going to be looking for like some training along those lines, and I think I, I know we've got a good chamber here that's also a good resource for that kind of stuff, and it's been on my list to go talk to them. Um, so yeah, this should be good. I think uh, next year is going to be a interesting one for me. In a very Are positive you way. Come up with a cool business name. Uh, I have a business already. Yeah, so I'll probably stick with that. What I probably will do is um, so I'm incorporated as an LLC for the last couple of years. But I'll probably I might create like a couple of trade names underneath that because, uh, like I said, I'll have my product line probably going to be under a separate business name than the job shop type stuff and prototyping. That's always going to be more of a service oriented business. I'll probably just stick with my current name for that. But uh, it's not a very sexy name for like a product. So. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I yeah. was thinking exactly the same thing. You know, like if so, I guess I might I might ask you a few questions when you figure that out either because I, it's one thing to be crisply designed for when you're doing stuff for people or working on things. But if I wanted to sell a lightsaber, it'd be like kind of weird to be like, hey, this is a crisply designed lightsaber. You know, I mean, it's got to have more of a a product name or like a a sub branding name or something like that. So I've been thinking about that as well. Maybe having a subcategory name for stuff that I'm making, but still under the umbrella corporation, quote unquote, for uh, Chrisley Design. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe, yeah, yeah. I think I'll always have just one business, you know, one legal entity. Um, but you can call yourself whatever you want underneath that. You know, just they're really just trade names, right? So, um, so yeah, I got some thinking to do about that, and a lot of the stuff like I've been planning for most of this since early last year we talked about it on the podcast i think in fall of last year uh, winston and i had an episode kind of like where we're going next um so this is this is pretty much that plan just kind of it got pushed out a few months from when i originally wanted to start um but now it lines very well with when the machine gets here <laughs> and uh yeah so i'm excited about it it's kind of i haven't really been able to think too much about it in the last few weeks just because I've been so focused on getting ready for the trip. So I, I decided like most of the stuff I'll just, you know, I've stopped working on it like two weeks ago, focused on getting the last jobs out, getting ready for the trip. And then October I will pick it up and start kind of resuming where I was working on it um, earlier this year. So the people that follow me on Instagram, they're not going to see much other than, you know, pretty soon they'll start, they're going to start seeing Neo footage, right. Kind of showing up on my Instagram page. But I'll definitely talk about it on the podcast, especially if I start doing something different that most folks may not, if, especially if I can't post it on Instagram, but like it's going to be some other form. Um, that'll make more sense next year <laughs> when you see where the products are going. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I don't know if I'll be on the next like DFX 32, depending on when we record. That's the night I actually get back from Germany. Uh, unless we push out the record date, you guys might just be doing a, episode by yourselves or a guest episode with somebody. Um, but the one after that, for sure, I'll probably be ready to you know, recap what I saw in Germany and then kind of where we're going, where I'm going next with the, what, what's going on here. Very cool, man. Looking forward to that. Yeah. So how, tell me more about the ring, that titanium ring. So I think last time I saw it, you were, it was almost ready to part off. Did that final part come out? Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I was parting off 
the, the ring and then I accidentally chose the wrong tool size and it effed it up. So I, I remade it again and I actually fixed a couple things and sizes and stuff. So, uh, it's actually ready to be parted off right now. Uh, but I've actually decided to just take it out of the pocket and see, I'm going to take it to work and use the lathe and use the parting tool to do it. So it's a nicer finish. Um, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm more concerned right now working on the, um, the meteorite. I, I don't, I've never machined meteorite before and, I don't know exactly how that's going to turn out. So I'm just going to start with, uh, you know, steel uh, type feeds and speeds real slow and real light cuts just to see how it reacts. Um, if I'm correct at remembering meteorite is mostly iron and some nickel, I think. So uh, just I have no idea how this is going to turn out. It could break an ML or the, I'm a, the meteorite might just start to crumble when I start to machine it or something. But I've seen videos of people turning it and it looks fine. Uh, using carbide inserts, it started to smoke a little bit, so they backed off, but it, it machined as I would expect it to machine. So I'm expecting that when I mill it on the Nomad or something, it should be fine. So we'll see how that goes. That's pretty interesting. Where do you get your hands on something like that? Material? So online, there's a bunch of like meteorite sellers. Um, okay. You, you just got to make sure that you're buying from a source that can prove like either with certificates or they have a reputation of selling like real stuff. They're not just selling you like you know, a bunch of concrete <laughs> that's been pressed in the yeah. slab or something like that. So, um, yeah, they're actually all over the place. The one I bought was called, I'm going to butcher this. It's like Semchan or something. And it's from Russia. I think it crashed in the sixties. There's meteorite from Argentina, uh, called El Campo and then somewhere else in part of the world. Um, and you can get pieces of these, um, you know, slices or, or bricks or stuff, however they want to cut it. Uh, you know, the one I bought was about like $40. So it's a really small piece, but it's enough for the ring. Um, if you want to spend more money, you can get where it's like half like iron or, or kind of rock looking and the other half is more crystallized. Um, and that's kind of cool, but it's way more expensive. So I, yeah. for, for the test piece, I figured I'd just go cheap and just, just see if this is, if this even is going to work at all. I, I have no idea. Very cool. If I had to guess, it'd probably cut pretty similar to cast iron. So um, I, I haven't looked it up yet, but I expect like 200 SFM around that range. And I don't know, I, assuming the um, the composition is is like not too, too flaky or crumbly, I, I think you'll be fine. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I was kind of wondering about, so it's been through... A high temperature process, right? Although <laughs> yeah. I guess that's probably just at the surface. It's probably not. You're probably not getting pieces that saw any of that heat, but or much of it. Yeah, it's kind of interesting if it's going to be kind of in a hard state or if it's annealed. I'm assuming they just they're just chipping it right off the piece and yeah, not doing they're, any processing. they're probably yeah. just diamond sawing it and just taking yeah. chunks out and you know sending it out to people and stuff. So it's okay. not ref, it's not finished or surface ground or nothing. I gotta check that because I I've basically pretty much been off Instagram most of the week so I'm, and YouTube, so I'm kind of behind on what, what both of y'all are posting. I catch the stories here and there, but um, I'll, I'm, part of that's like I'm trying to save stuff to have to look at on the fly. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trying to resist, yeah. I, I want it kind of a little bit of a cue, uh, keep me entertained on my long flight. But, um, yeah. yeah, so I'll hopefully uh, not catch up by – Monday, <laughs> leave a few things to look at on Tuesday and Wednesday. I definitely want to see that. Yeah, I, I've actually started to take a step back from Instagram because I started to notice that I was uh, I was posting for the sake of posting, for the sake of getting attention, I think 
that's the right way to say it, like likes and stuff and, and interaction. And I, it was starting to like affect the way I, I thought about stuff. Um, I wasn't thinking about projects in terms of like what I wanted to do is more like, Hey, do I think this is going to do well on Instagram? And as soon as I realized that I kind of hated myself a little bit. So I told myself, you know, yeah. just, just get out of this. Like, don't, don't fall into this trap of trying to do that like trying to make everyone else happy. And I'm just, I take a step back. I'm just posting real small things that I want to do, but otherwise I've been so busy with customer work anyways, and I can't post that stuff. So this has been a nice little break for me to kind of reset my mentality a little bit. I don't want to get, I don't want to yeah, get caught up in that. Yeah. I think it's been like, I've been, I posted a few stories along the week, but I don't, I don't remember the last time I, and I've actually posted, I think the last few posts I made were not machining posts. They were just kind of some silly stuff I was doing in the shop and I post it, but, um, yeah, but like the Kate getting that right cadence is, you know, posting cadence. So it's kind of tricky because you want to kind of post every day if you have something to post because that's, it keeps the algorithm happy. You know what I'm saying? Kind of your, you, your, your followers will see what you're posting. Um, if you kind of drop off your posting frequency, even the people that normally follow you aren't going to see it and they're, or see it as frequently, right? They'll miss a bunch right. of, and I hate, I hate when that happens to me as a follower, right? When I can't, like, I, I realized like somebody posted that I wanted to see and I didn't see it for like two or three weeks until I was kind of cruising through their page intentionally. But, um, yeah, I don't, Instagram's kind of got a problem with that <laughs> mm. the way they've decided what to show you. But, um, but yeah, exactly. Like if you don't, you know, if it's not kind of a natural thing, you're, you're just taking like an in-process photo while you're doing something else, then it's some, it's not really, I don't say it's not healthy, but it's, it's not what we normally do. Right. I think most of the people that follow in the instant machinist community or participate in it are just, you know, they're mostly just posting stuff that's already going on anyway. Right. They're not doing it. Yeah. They're not like structuring something just to post for the most part. I mean, I do some silly things that are just like that just for fun, but, um, but like the machining and the projects and stuff, that's like, if I don't have a project, I'm, there's just nothing to post and that's fine. But, um, if I got, you know, it's usually there's enough going on here, uh, at least when I'm not like getting ready for a long travel or a long trip, um, that there's always something to post. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I don't think, uh, like I would start to worry if I'm just looking for work to do, to have something to post, right. To create a post. Yeah, it was like half that. And the other half was like, I was looking at what I was about to post. And I kept thinking, like, is this even going to do well? And I don't remember having that before. I don't know where that crept in from. But um, yeah, yeah, when I started to realize I was worried about that, then I was like, okay, I I need to take a break or something for a little bit. Yeah. And you can feel that stress like when, like, I've been working on the tombstones a lot lately, um, kind of revisiting them, right, for the kind of a second generation of my design for the pocket and sea tombstones and like a lot of that, you know, for weeks, that's just modeling work. And, you know, it's not much, I don't really show usually renders. I, every once in a while I'll show something, but, um, but like I can be, if I spend three weeks kind of focus on that, there's not going to be anything to post on Instagram until yeah. like at the end of that process. Yeah. So, uh, I used to sweat that and I was like, no, nah, no, I was like, if I post, they're just, it's just going to be boring. Right. It's not going to be stuff my followers are typically looking at. Um, you know, me moving the mouse around in fusion, <laughs> it's like, that's not a very interesting post. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, I mean, of course you probably know the secret of all Instagram people is always have a little bit of a bank of pictures you can, you know, take now and post later. But, um, for those days where you don't have anything to post, 
but uh yeah i wouldn't sweat that too much it's just like just yeah, keep it um, you know natural right and yeah you're, even if you don't have it, don't have anything today or tomorrow like at some point you're going to have more than you can post and you'll have like stuff to kind of share for a few days so um just from one project right so yeah i wouldn't worry about too much about that yeah I, i'm 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 after rethinking about it i i kind of i'm okay with it i don't need to post every day you know, and get all caught up in that stuff i just post whenever i want to and i don't really care about the growth or anything like that i'm just kind of documenting my journey so once i kind of uh thought about that the why what started this in the first place it kind of made it a lot easier and stress-free so i'm i'm okay with that that's good you've had some good projects too um i saw winston i did catch the i'm not sure what that was exactly winston what was the origin <laughs> of the <laughs> figurine that you did it's like yeah, the winston. Head, right now tell them about I, the other one <laughs> which one the uh, the, yoda, the yoda the yoda buddha oh so, that yeah i did see that one too i <laughs> had some bar stock and uh, I wanted to try that four-sided machining that um, Chris has done before. And so I, I squared up my stock as best I could and just uh, came up with a four-sided toolpath. Um, so that was my experiment of the week. And um, I brought those demo pieces with me to the Matter Hackers event. And uh, they went over pretty well. Um, but it was really just a, a fun experiment for me to, to see um, what you can do on a three-axis machine. Because people look at the Nomad, they say, oh, like, you can use the flip jig and machine from two sides. But with just a little bit of forethought and, like, um, making sure you locate your origin at the center of your stock, you can um, use symmetry of your stock and just rotate it 90 degrees in the device every single time. And um, without any um, additional setup, like, I was just... Um, rotating the stock, sliding it against a hard stop, and clamping it. Um, the Maltese Falcon um, little figurine I did is near perfect. The um, backside of Yoda's left arm has a small line um, from a slight misalignment because my stock wasn't perfectly square. But other than that, like it's, it's comparable in uh, detail to what you would get out of a, a decent FDM printer. So I'm pretty happy with that, um, and I, I'm probably done with this for a while now, just because it's it was fun while it lasted. But um, I'll make a video for it. It's it's fun. Um, I probably wouldn't square up the stock myself. I would probably just buy like precision ground stock if I wanted to do this again. But it was um, a good proof of concept for me, and uh, I honestly I think it's it's within a couple thou of what I could do on the pocket and see the pocket and see having the advantage of being able to machine from, um, the top, uh, Y positive from home, but it's, I, I don't know. It was just a fun thing that I thought of and I figured I'd just try it out for the week. How big were the mesh sizes that you were working with? They weren't huge. Um, I think actually I can, I can pull it Cause, up. Um, Cause my game of Thrones pieces were like, 30,000 and it was like a nightmare to like to they're just laggy and i'm just curious what size were you at did you have yeah, any i remember of that? when i was loading up um the file in fusion it'd take like a, a good 20 25 30 seconds to load up um i'm gonna pull it up right now but it was it was kind of slow but once you have the model positioned where you need it to you can just not touch it and just create tool paths. Um, and I actually, since I did it twice, I sort of did what um, Rob Lockwood 
uh, was telling us to do at uh, Fusion Academy with cam templates. Um, I didn't quite make a template, but what I did was I copied um, one project file, deleted the mesh of the Maltese Falcon, loaded in the Yoda Buddha, and then <laughs> uh, dragged and dropped that mesh into the model placeholder for the stock setup. Yeah. And because all I'm doing is adaptive and then parallel finish. And so the toolpaths just basically like just reconfigured themselves. Control G, grab a beer. That model. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think maybe I was working with too big of a mesh size and it was, it wanted me, I wanted to punch my computer every 10 seconds because if I wanted mm-hmm. to even reposition the view, it would lag. And dear God, if I selected the model, like it'd be like a whole one minute plus kind of thing or before it would come back into play, it'd be like not responding and stuff. So, so these yeah. were all uh, S- starting from SDLs. Yes. Uh, you right shouldn't there. have to click on the model too much. The only thing I had to do was just draw some containment boundaries. Um, but other than that, like after you load in the part, you scale it, you place it within your stock volume placeholder. You should be good to go. Yeah. It was cause I had to scale it down. I don't know why, like the models that I had were like ginormous and it, just getting it down to a one inch, uh, cylinder, you know, it, it took a while. And yeah, you're right. Once I got it into place, it was okay. But it was the whole like movement cube thing, or I was trying to look at stuff to draw containment fields. It's just really laggy. So I, I didn't, I don't even want to revisit that project again, but I, I might do it if I can maintain the detail while reducing the mesh size. Yeah. So the facet count for Yoda is 437,303. What? And you didn't, and you My were able to. My computer did not crash. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I don't know then. Maybe My computer sucks. I, I don't know. It shouldn't though, but yeah. All right. We'll see. Maybe I'll revisit it. Winston, until you mentioned it on the podcast, I had no idea that that was not a B210 part. I thought that's actually what you were doing there. So that's interesting. The manual indexing. And that, and that and that's just like the tip of the iceberg, right? Because we're we only did ninety degree like rotations. If you wanted to get real tricky, you could also put in like forty five degree gauge blocks, and you could lift the stock up at a forty five degree angle. As long as you could position yourself somehow, then you could start doing like really crazy forty uh, five degree rotational cuts to get the top of the head or whatever. So um, you can get real intricate with it without having a four axis. Yeah, that's true. That would be a good video. I hope you I hope you do make a video on that. Add it to the list. <laughs> yeah. After the knife, after my expanded PVC, uh, after some silver experiments, which I, I'm still annoyed that Marv beat me to it, and uh, a couple other projects in the queue. <laughs> so I um I've been going to bed like an hour earlier every night as I get closer to my travel date to kind of get on Germany time and minimize my jet lag. So uh we started recording at six tonight and I'm at my bedtime. So I'm going to say good night guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, Eddie, I wish you uh, a enjoyable trip. I hope the jet lag isn't too bad. Um, enjoy the German food and especially the German beer and uh, don't buy a machine. <laughs> <laughs> that, that part's done. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, thank you. And Chris, uh, you have a good, you guys have a good, uh, good week. I'll be in touch. Uh, Hopefully, I'll be posting by. I'll be posting email stuff on Thursday, Wednesday. I'm just kind of playing tourist in Berlin. I don't know if I'll have anything worth hosting. Uh, to my, I probably have something up, but not too much. 
but because I, I don't know if any like nobody like so here's my vacation photos <laughs> so um i'm probably just going to be spending uh the day at museums museum island in berlin and uh hope to get to see the wall and a few other you know the must-sees in berlin so uh, but thursday and friday is going to be like pure lots of stuff to post on instagram at emo from emo well have a safe flight have a great time. Uh, we'll see you when you come back and congrats on uh, retiring and living the second part of your dream here. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks guys. Good night. All, All right. right. Good night. Have a good one. Laters.